Welcome to the All-American Chapel Protestant Service Podcast. This week's sermon will be given by Chaplain Andy Anderson. It's 2 a.m. and the emergency phone rings. I'm the on-call duty chaplain at Northeast Georgia Medical Center. And the nurse on the other line, on the line, she says, Chaplain, you got to get down here right now. She's a NICU nurse. So I'm headed that way, and you know if it's 2 o'clock in the morning and they're calling you from the NICU, it's not a good thing. And I'm praying, Lord, Lord, please let this be okay. Please let whatever's happening be okay. When I got there, everything was definitely not okay. I checked in at the nurse's station, and she said, Chaplain, it's bad. Baby's premature, very premature, probably not going to make it through the night. You need to go in and see the family. When I went in, the mom and dad were visibly without hope. Desperate. The look of desperation on their face is seared into my brain. What could I do? What could I possibly hope to do in such a desperate situation. Maybe you've had a few of these desperate situations in your life. Maybe you've had some times where you've said, oh God, I need your help. Save my mother, help my wife, heal my son. God, save my child, deliver me from cancer. God, I'll do anything if you will Fix this right now. These are the times that we run to God. We bargain with God. Times of desperation. Even those who do not necessarily believe in God will cry out to him as someone who has authority to do something. God, I know that you're there. Please help. And then somehow we make it through the crisis. Somehow we get through. God does something, and we make it through. And then we just go put Jesus right back where he belongs. It's kind of the cycle of our faith. Things go bad, run to Jesus. We get stressed, we feel overburdened, we feel desperate. Oh, God! then things are good, and you go back over there now. You see, we really don't want Jesus that much a part of our lives as much as we just want him to rescue us when bad things happen. Kind of call this superhero theology. You don't want Superman living with you, but when you need him, you want him to be there. And while we may lack faith at times when we're seeking God, God still meets us. God still does something for us in spite of our lack of faith. He meets us right where we are in the midst of the crisis to reveal himself to us, to show us who he really is. It's in these crises of life that he teaches us that we can trust what he says. It's in these times of desperations that we learn 
I can take God at his word. He always makes good on his promises. Well, this is John's concern today in our text in John 40, chapter 4, verses 46 through 54. You can go there. John's concern is the truth that sometimes God allows us to experience desperate faith in order to bring us to saving faith. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes God allows us to experience desperate faith to bring us to saving faith. Jesus' encounter in Galilee is an example of that truth. So go with me now to John 4, 46 through 54, as we encounter Jesus' second miracle in the Gospel of John. Therefore he came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water to wine. And there was a royal official whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and was imploring him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The royal official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. So Jesus said to him, go, your son lives. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he started off. As he was going down, his slaves came to meet him, saying that his son was living. So he inquired of them the hour that he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed in his whole household. This is again the second sign that Jesus performed when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. I have to tell you that I'm very excited about preaching this text today. <laughs> As I was praying about this the last two days, I thought, Lord, there won't be enough time because this is so great. <laughs> so, so I'm very excited about this. So in our text today, we find Jesus in Galilee, right back where we left off last week. The previous two days leading up to this miracle, the previous two days, Jesus had been in Samaria, the story of the woman at the well, many of you know, okay? He encountered this woman at the well, and and we've, we've all heard that. We're not going to have time to read it today. But it was this encounter that led to her faith in Christ. And if you remember, she brings her whole city out to see Jesus. You remember that? Now, I have to tell you this part of the story to make this story make sense, okay? So verse 39, if you look back at verse 39, same chapter, it says, From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified concerning Jesus. So we have these two stories put together. In one, a Samaritan woman who brings her whole city to Christ and they all believe. Now, we have the story of Jesus back in Cana of Galilee. And in verse 44, two days have passed and Jesus has moved north. And it says when they arrive that the welcome they receive is a little bit shallow. Look at what John says in verse 44. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. We know that Jesus was from Galilee. He was from Nazareth. So John is showing us here that Jesus was not welcome in his own home. The people of Galilee welcomed Jesus because why? They knew he just did a miracle a couple of days prior. 
So in verse 46, we find Jesus revisiting Cana where he performed the first miracle of turning the, wine, the water into wine at the wedding. Now, this is when the story gets really interesting. Look with me again at verse 47. When he, that's the royal official, okay? When he heard that Jesus had come out to Judea in Galilee, he went to him and was imploring him to come down to heal his son, for he was at the point of death. What we have in the royal official is obviously a man who is at the point of desperation. His son is sick. He needs someone who can intervene. As you know, for those of you who are here that are parents, you would have done the exact same thing if there was a miracle worker in your town and your son was about to die. You would go to any extent to bring help to your son or to your daughter. Well, this official had heard that there was a miracle worker. There was someone who was performing signs and wonders that could only be attested to God. So he goes and he finds this man. It says the situation was desperate. The text says he was at the point of death. We don't know what was wrong with him, but we know that it was terminal. We know that everyone knew that it was terminal. His household, his mom, his dad, everyone knew that this child was going to die unless something miraculous happened. And so the sense of desperation, I don't know if you realize this, but it drives this man 25 miles from Capernaum. Almost ran, what's a marathon? How many miles is it? 20, I've never run one, obviously. 26.2, where are all you people that have it on your car? 26.2. 26.2, yeah. The man almost runs a marathon to get to Jesus. He's a desperate man. Not in Nikes. In sandals. So how does Jesus respond to this man's plea? Look at verse 48. So Jesus said to him, unless you people, so now he's addressing the whole crowd. He's, he's addressing the whole crowd. He's not just addressing the man. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. You can imagine the royal official. Hey, guy, me, I'm, I'm to, uh, whoa, forget about them. I need you to do something for me. I need you to do something for my son. So what kind of answer is this from the Lord? Well, I mean, this man is desperate, and Jesus, it's, I can almost see Jesus, like him being asked, and Jesus just looking the other way and, and answering. So what's going on? Well, Jesus is rebuking both the man and the Jews for their superficial faith. They were seeking Jesus because of the miracles that he was doing, not because he's the Messiah. I got to backtrack a moment again. What we didn't read, of course, was the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. Why is it so important? Well, John puts these stories back to back for a purpose. Unlike the Jews in the story, right, who knew that a Messiah would come. They knew that he would do signs and wonders. They knew the scriptures. The Samaritans, the ones with a defunct religion, the ones who were mixed breeds, that's what the Jews called them. They believed Jesus' word. And now here you have John saying, 
the Jews who ought to know better, who know the scriptures, they don't believe. So John is using irony to teach us the difference between superficial faith and saving faith. He says it's not about where you were born. It's not about what religion you were. It's about taking Jesus at his word. The Galileans and the royal official, they weren't there to see the Savior. They were there to see a show. In their mind, this is someone who could do miraculous signs. But was he the Savior of the world? No. The Samaritans trusted Jesus without seeing any miracles. They trusted. No miracle took place. They took him at his word. Look at verse 41 and 42 of the same chapter. Many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the women, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this is the one is indeed the Savior of the world. So this man's faith is lacking. He needs Jesus to do something for him. But Jesus doesn't leave him where he is, nor does he ignore the man's request for help in spite of his lack of faith. Watch how the rest of the verses play out again in 49 through 54. Look at verse 49 through 54. So Jesus gives this response, doesn't really address him individually. The royal official persists. Look at what he says. Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son lives. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. And he started off, remember how far he's got to go, right? (laughs) 25 miles. And as he was going down, his slaves met him, saying that his son was living. So he inquired to them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at that hour in which Jesus had said to him, your son lives and he himself believed and his whole household this is again the second sign that Jesus performed when he had come out of Judea into Galilee so the man presses Jesus please sir you've got to come down before my son dies he is absolutely desperate if you don't act my son will die I'm going to put that on you if you don't come and do something His death is on you. You must come down. So Jesus says, almost casually, go, your son lives. He's doing a uh, long-distance miracle here. (laughs) The man had to take his word, right? I mean, he wanted him to come down. The man had to take his word that his son would live. And notice how the man responds. The man, so Jesus spoke with such authority in that moment. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and started off. So he had to trust. Right? Because Jesus wasn't going to come. 
He had to trust if I go. I'm leaving him behind. I have to trust that he has the power to do what he said he would do. And on the way, the, son, the slaves meet him and they, they had great news. Your son's alive. You will not believe it. Your son is alive. So the man starts to ask questions. Well, when did he get better? Now, why did he ask that? Why did he ask, when did he get better? What's he doing? He's putting Jesus to the test, isn't he? He's putting Jesus to the test. He wants to know if he can trust what Jesus said and the slaves testify to what Jesus said. His healing was so instantaneous and so miraculous that they noted the time. Now think about that. Had, his, had he been sick and, and slowly gotten better, right? You wouldn't really note when that took place. But if the kid is on his deathbed and all of a sudden he sits up with a smile on his face, you're going to take note of when that happened. And so in this case, the boy's healing was so evident that they noted the time. And notice what happens. Another miracle takes place. And he himself believed in his whole household. This is again the second sign. This is the point that we should trust in Jesus because of who he is and what he says, not just what we want him to do for us. What we cannot miss here is the significance of Jesus' authority and his work in this man's life and how that connects to us. It shouldn't surprise you to know that Jesus was not the only miracle worker during his time. Did you know that? There were other miracle workers. There were other people who claimed to have gifts from God of healing, of being able to predict the future, and so on and so forth. The constant for those performing miracles or claiming to perform miracles, was that they had to be present for the miracle to take place. Now, why would they need to be present? Notoriety, of course. I'm not going to do a miracle long distance and not get the credit for it. In this case, John is showing us, unlike those fake Miracle workers, Jesus is willing to do something miraculous in our lives, and only we might know about it, to bring us to faith. Now, can you, do you see what the implications are there for your life? So I was, I think I was about 22, and uh, I was going to quit seminary. I was going to quit. And I was, I was driving to school, and I hadn't told anybody I was going to quit. Um, but I was 22, and I just felt like, Lord, I cannot do this. I can't do this. I can't be holy. Just couldn't do it. I just felt like I could not do it. I could not live up to the standard of holiness. So uh, I had class on Monday, and I had planned to literally drive to school, go to the registrar's office, and withdraw. And uh, I mean, I was upset. I was, I was, I was upset. So I'm going through Atlanta, and I just, you know, made up my mind. That's what I'm gonna do. Get to school, 
walk in the front door, and the dean of the school is standing there. And he says, Andy, come, come to my office real quick. Come to my office. And I'm, I, I thought I was in trouble. You know, I'm like, okay, sir, you know. So he takes me. I says, sit down, sit down, right, sit down right there. I said, oh, okay, you know. And I sit down. He says, Andy, I just want to tell you, I really appreciate the way that your mind works. And I think that God's going to do great things in your life. I want to encourage you to continue on in school. Now, that's a miracle. Now, I tell you that, and some of you go, coincidence. That's what some of you think. I know, just like that man knew. I don't need you to know. If you don't believe, I don't care. (laughs) I know the miracle that he did in my life, just like that man knew the miracle that he did in his son's life. And he could go around testifying about it, and people would look at him and scoff at him and say, ah, no, that's coincidence. But he knew. He knew that he could take Jesus' word. And I bet if we had time, I could invite you to come up here and say, can you share a time in your life when Jesus did a miracle in your life? And you know that it was him. I bet this floor would be full. And you could tell that to other people, and they look at you funny. (laughs) They look at you like you're crazy. But you know. You know that you can trust Jesus' word. So there is no better news today that God is willing to intervene in our lives to bring us to faith, and he's willing to do it in such a way that it doesn't matter if everyone else believes. He's willing to do it in our lives for our salvation. In the Samaritan story, we read a story of joy, but in our story today, is filled with sickness and desperation. And these stories are back to back. And John wants us to see that in the good and in the bad, we can trust Jesus. There's no better news for those who are here today who do not believe. Because Jesus knows that you're desperate. And he's willing to do something amazing in your life to bring you to faith. He's there for you even when you don't believe. He's there for you when you do believe, but you're struggling in your faith. He is invested in both our joy and our suffering, and he has a solution to the biggest problem of all, our lack of faith. And so for those who are here today who believe, I think the issue of faith that we struggle with the most is sometimes our faith is superficial like those Galileans that Jesus rebuked. We run to Jesus when things go bad and then when things are good, we don't really talk to him very much. We don't really cry out to him very often. When we get to the bad news, help Lord, help, help me, help me right now. I'll do anything, we bargain. I'll stop sinning. When you get the call that your wife might have breast cancer, Lord, I'll do anything. I'll do anything that this is, you have to work. 
I'll stop sinning. I'll serve more at the church. I'll do this. I'll do that. You just got to fix it, Lord. And then he does. And he does it in a way that only he can do it. And we say, thank you. Now go back to where you came from. I'll call you again when I need you. Don't hear me wrong. It's not wrong to seek Jesus in our desperation, in the crises of life. But if this is the only times that we're seeking him, then we're no better than those Galileans that Jesus rebuked. So what would John have us do today? How would he have us respond to this miracle? Well, John wants us to see simply we can take Jesus at his word. We can trust that if Jesus says it, we can believe it. Do you believe that this morning? We can trust that if Jesus says he is with us, he is really with us in every avenue of life, the good and the bad. He gives us an example. He gives us an example to show what it means to trust the word of God when we're struggling. You remember when Jesus was in the wilderness? Do you remember that? And the devil tempted him to do. He started speaking what? The promises, the word of God. Showing us that in times of crises, that we can trust what God has said. And if you remember, the devil says, just go up there on the top of the temple and throw yourself off and the miraculous will happen. The angels will come attend to you. They will catch you. And this whole situation, this whole desperate situation that you're going through will be over. All you got to do is go up there and do that and God will act. And Jesus responds again with trusting in the word. And he's calling us to do the same. I think about that miracle, or I think about that time. How many of us... (laughs) If the devil would have given us that opportunity, hey, if you just jump right off, the angels will catch you. I think to myself, man, I'd like to see that. (laughs) A lot of us take that quick fix. And the reality is Jesus wants us to go through the suffering because he is with us. And when we get to the other side, we learn that we can trust him no matter what. And so you may be here today going through a similar crisis. Maybe you've received some bad news regarding your health. Maybe, maybe the health of a family member. The reality is this is not a story about Jesus healing us every time we get sick. That's not what this story is about. No more than the water to wine is about drinking. That's not what the story is about. This is a story about us being able to trust Jesus and what he has said to us. He's made you many promises, and I know that he's kept every one of them. I know that you may feel desperate, you may feel helpless. Today all I can do for you is the same thing I did for that couple all those years ago in that hospital. I can point you to the one who is neither desperate nor helpless. I can point you to Jesus. He is the one you can trust with your life. In the good times and the bad, Jesus is there for you, with you, 
among you, calling each of us to life in his name. Maybe you're here today and you haven't placed your faith in Jesus. (laughs) Today is the day of salvation, amen? Today is the day that God may be calling some of you in here to faith. In a moment when we pray, I want to invite you to come forward. We will talk to you. We'll take you to the side. I'm not going to embarrass anybody or anything like that. But today may be the day that God, through this miracle, has shown you that you can trust Jesus at his word. And then there's the rest of us who may already believe. Maybe today we need to thank Jesus for all those miracles, every one of those miracles that he's done in our lives that only you know about, only you can testify to. Maybe we haven't been very thankful to him for all the times he's met us in those desperate situations and he's met the need time and again and we've learned over and over and over, I can trust Jesus. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. The word that we can trust beyond everything else in this life. More than our family, more than our friends, more than ourselves, more than our emotions, more than our mind. God, we know that we can trust what you say. And so give us the faith that we need when times are desperate. Give us the faith to seek you for who you are, not just what you can do for us. Give us the faith that draws us to you when things are good, that keeps us at your feet when life is easy. Father, help us to draw close to you. And Father, for those here today, God, who maybe don't know you, They might be here today desperate, looking for something to fill that hole in their heart. God, we know that only you can fill that. And so today we pray that as they've come here, that you would meet them and that you would save them. That they would come to a place where they believe what John said, that Jesus is God and have life in his name. And God, for those today who have been walking with you for many miles, God, we pray that you would remind us of all the wonderful things that you've done for us that only we know about and that can only be attributed to you. Help us to be thankful to know that we can trust you for who you are. We pray all these things in Christ's name and all God's people said, amen. That was this week's All-American Chapel Protestant Service podcast. Please tune in for next week's podcast.